that, that takes us to our, our lesson today. So let's just go there now. James chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1 with me. I want to talk about um, leaders. There's two aspects of leadership that I want you to remember. One aspect of leadership one aspect of uh, leadership is that you have to convince other people to participate in your plan, in your vision, in what you know God's calling you to do. If I know exactly what God's calling me to do, right, and, I, and I'm going to do it, and I go out, and I'm doing it, and nobody is with me, who am I leading? Yeah, I'm not a leader. Now, I'm not saying you're not doing right. You may be doing great. I'm fa fantastic. Find God's will and do it even if no one's with you. Don't misunderstand me. But if you want to be a leader, you've got to convince other people to join you. Otherwise, you're not leading anyone. Right? I know a lot of people who think they're leaders because they're doing something very strange and weird. And they say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leading. No one else is with me. No, you're not leading because no one else is with you. Right? So you have to help people understand your vision, and then they have to see that you believe it. But I'll just let me set that one aside today. We'll talk about that one another time. There's a second aspect of leadership, and that is you have to be able to solve problems. Because everyone here is going to have problems. Cutler's going to have problems. And Henry's going to have problems. And Cutler's problems and Henry's problems are going to be very different. But they're going to both have problems. You've heard the uh, saying that no plan survives first contact with the enemy. The idea is as soon as you get into the battle and bullets start flying, whatever you thought was going to happen, forget it. Now, they're not saying don't plan. <laughs> they're not saying don't plan. They're saying don't be so stuck on this plan that when you realize this is a bad plan, you keep going with it. But here's what I want to, want to point out. You know what happens with me? I'm talking as a father. I say to my family, hey, we're going to do this on Friday, Saturday, whatever day of the week. And Friday, Saturday gets there and there's always a problem. Someone's sick. They turn off the water to the house, right? I, I, I don't know what the problem is. You're going to vacuum and the vacuum's broken. Your family needs you to solve problems and not just complain. Oh, I can't believe it. Every time we play, this is what happens. They don't benefit from that. They need you to solve problems. If I can use a math uh, uh, illustration here, um, most people are really good at looking at an algebra problem and saying, I don't know what to do. That doesn't take a lot of work. I don't know what to do. And as an algebra teacher, I would constantly get frustrated because I'd say, well, what's the first thing? I don't know. They weren't even applying. They, they weren't even trying to get to the solution. And if you're going to be a leader, you have to at least say, okay, here's the problem. What's my first step to get to the solution? So today what I want to do is give you a little toolkit of steps. When you see the problem, and you don't know how to solve it. The, 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 uh, oh, let me develop that illustration a little bit here. And I know what they're thinking. What they're thinking is every once in a while, I would have a, a math whiz in my class, and he could stare at that problem and give me the answer. He could look at da 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 da, -da and say, oh, X is 6 or whatever. And the other students say, oh, oh, see, he understands. And I don't understand, so I can't do this. I say, no, 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 he's cheating. He isn't going through the steps, and he's coming up with an answer, and a lot of times it was the right answer, but he doesn't even understand why he's coming up with this answer. What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you the steps so that any of you, I'd say to my algebra class, any of you can take this problem and come to a right solution. Amen. So here's some steps from the Bible. When you see a problem, you say, I don't know what to do. 
Here's some steps from the Bible. Here's the first step, and I'm going to read to you James 1, verses uh, 1 and 2. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. He says, you should consider it a good thing when you run into problems. And why, those of you that know this passage, why does he want us to consider it a good thing when we run into problems? Yes, Warren. Well, they test your faith. Yeah, they test our faith. That he's going to talk about the trying of our faith in verse 3. They test our faith. They give us opportunities for growth. Every problem gives you an opportunity for growth. Now, the lack of problems means you cannot grow. You're not going to grow when everything's going well and your plans work out and everybody just falls in line. That doesn't take leadership. So instead of seeing problems as God's judgment, and God does chastise us and chasten us, but sometimes, oh, God's just judging me. Instead of seeing your problems as, a, as, as an obstacle to your goal, see your problems as an opportunity to grow. Whether it's a personal problem with someone else, whether it's a, a weakness in your own flesh, all of our problems are an opportunity to grow. Remember, leaders are agile. Leaders are responsive to the circumstances in which they find themselves and find ways to overcome. Uh, if you're into military history and you aren't familiar with the Carolina maneuvers, you should look it up. It's, it's very interesting that just before World War II, just before the United States joined World War II, the war had broken out and uh, the chief of staff for the military, Marshall, uh, General Marshall, realized that we were soon going to be sending people into combat. Um, and so he wanted to find out which of his officers were really good at leading, leading and which ones were not. And so they actually designed some maneuvers that included, in the Carolina maneuvers, there was 340,000, if I remember right, 340,000 troops involved in these maneuvers. And the guy who was expected to do well was a, was a lieutenant general in the Army. His name was Lieutenant General Drum. He was expected to do well. They were planning to put him, uh, basically the spot that Eisenhower ended up occupying as a as, uh, uh, the, the top general of the Allied command. The reason he didn't get there is because he performed terribly in the Carolina maneuvers. He'd been in the infantry all of his military career. He saw the, the battle very similar to what World War I was. It was just going to dig in and uh, let the enemy just get mowed down. One of the men opposing him, not his direct opponent, but one of the subordinates of his direct opponent, was a major general, Major General Patton. You remember his name. He had grown up as a, he had come up through the military as a cavalryman, and now they've given him a tank, group of tanks. And he said, we're not going to just attack the trenches, we're going to drive around them. And long story short, the Carolina maneuvers, Patton and his plans looked brilliant. General D Drum looked like an idiot. So what Marshall said, listen, we're going to let Drum stay here in the United States and do his organizational things, and we're going to send Patton overseas to win the war. Why? Because Patton was agile. He recognized where he was at, how warfare had changed since World War I, and where things were going. And as a leader, you've got, you can't just be mired in the problems. And I don't know what I'm going to do, and the things are so rough, and the world is so bad. That's not leadership. Elmira Baptist Church needs men who say, hey, the world is bad. Let's go do something for God. Right? My family has problems. 
what is God teaching us? As long as we are moving, like I said, step by step toward a solution, people can follow us. As long as we just sit as, as for the time that we're just sitting and staring at the problem, nothing is happening. We're really good, by the way. The human condition, all of us, are really good at finding the wrong problem and blaming someone else. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned, <coughs> and ate of the fruit of the tree, and then he goes and he hides, and God says, hey, Adam, why are you hiding? He says, and then while well, we ate of the tree, of the, uh, we ate of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and, and God says, why? He says, the woman that you gave me. <laughs> the wrong problem, it wasn't the woman's problem, and the wrong accusation, God, it's your fault, you gave me that woman. We're really good at that. That doesn't help us. We need to find the right problem, and then we need to take the right step toward a solution. So again, go back to Scripture. Look at every problem as an opportunity uh, to grow. Change is hard, by the way. Growth and change is hard. I anticipate 2024. I was talking about our vision earlier. I anticipate 2024 is going to be very difficult for Elmira Baptist Church because we're going to move into a new building. And you might see that as a great thing. I, I see it as a great thing. I was doing a little bit of quick math and not counting temporary lodgings. I have lived in 18 different homes in my life. And about every three or four years I move, the longest I've ever been in one house is six years. So to me, change, yeah, we're going to find a way to overcome it. I know people who've lived in their home for over 50 years now. And when I say we're going to move from this building over to that building, it's like, no, where am I going to sit? We'll put chairs over there. I know, but I've been sitting right here, right? That's what they're going to say. How am I going to hear you? It's going to be such a... And they're going to have a lot of complaints. And what we need at Elmira Baptist Church is leaders who say, listen, God's going to get us to the solution. What's step number one? That's what we need. Not me only. We need all of us men to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. So number one, as a leader, I want you to be... I want you to see every obstacle, every problem as an opportunity for growth. Here's the second thing. I want you to be full of faith. Warren already pointed out, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God is trying, when He sends us problems, He's trying our faith. He's not trying our resources because God's resources are always enough to meet our problem. But He is trying our faith. Um, turn over one book to First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse uh, 6. First Peter 1 6 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. There's that same word, temptations again. They're in heaviness. It's bad, manifold. There's a lot of them. That the trial of your faith. There it is again. The trial of your faith. And notice what he says. Being much more precious than, uh, than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. God's going to try our faith, and we want to be men who are full of faith. If we're going to be leaders, we need to be full of faith because we're going to constantly be depending and relying not on our own strength, not on our own wisdom, not on our own abilities, not on our own ability to talk our way out of a problem. 
We're going to be relying on God's resources, His grace, His wisdom, His strength. So you've got to be full of faith to respond. By the way, you can be full of faith, respond the way God wants you to, and have what looks like an unhappy ending. One of the men in Acts who's mentioned as being full of faith is Stephen. He was full of faith. He attacked, not attacked, that's the wrong word. He preached Christ as Savior. People didn't like that. They drug him before the council, the Sanhedrin. They said, this guy, boy, he's a troublemaker. What does he do? He explains to the Sanhedrin how they're a bunch of stubborn old men who have never listened to the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They stone him. They kill him. That's exactly what God wanted Stephen to do. He was a man that was full of faith. It didn't look like it turned out well, but who was at Stephen's stoning whose life was later changed? Yeah, Saul. Paul is his name. I mean, here he is. He's watching this man die and realizes, wait a minute, this guy has something I don't have. And later, when Jesus, Jesus is the one who changes uh, Saul, Paul's direction. When when Jesus comes to to, uh, Saul, I'm going to use his name at that time, and says, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting Stephen and these other Christians. Why are you persecuting me? Boy, that had a huge impact. Stephen's death had a huge impact, was one of the steps that led Saul, later called Paul, uh, to Jesus Christ. So we need people who are full of faith. But we also need leaders who are patient. Because it says that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then, but let patience have her perfect work. Um, There's a fella, Mencken, who said this, For every human problem, there is a solution that is simple and neat and wrong. And we're really good at finding the wrong solution, packaging it up, saying, hey, this is what we're going to do, and then washing our hands of the problem and saying, you know, I tried and it didn't work. That is not patience. Let me give you an example that I think you can comprehend here. Let's imagine, let's go back in time now, five years, and I've just arrived at Elmira Baptist Church, and uh, those of you that are a little bit newer to our congregation, remember when I arrived, there was a slab of concrete out here. And I said to the deacons, the men who, who were helping me make this transition in, as pastor here of Elmira Baptist Church, how much money do we have in the building fund? And they said, we have $30,000. You know what I could have said? You know, we're never going to get this building built. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go down to the bank. We're going to ask for a loan. We're going to ask for $500,000. And we're going to borrow that money and we're going to finish this building. The building, I know God has a plan and the building still would not be finished. But we'd have this albatross of a half a million dollar debt around our neck. And I would say, you know what? The problem is the people. They don't give enough. No, no, the problem would have been me trying to find a solution that fix the problem that, that let me just say, it's not my problem anymore. It's the people. It's the bank. It's the construction companies. It's the county. Leaders are patient. We don't just grab the first solution and say, this is what we're going to do. We wait on the Lord. We allow him to lead us step by step. Even allow him to delay us and to detour us, send us different directions because we know that he is in charge. So leaders are patient. Leaders allow time for God to develop his plan. And remember, God's timetable is always different than our timetable. It's always different. Not because, uh, well, because he's God and because we're human. That's why it's different. So you're saying when you have a problem, let's say you get a, a rising problem, you're 
family yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Something that's um, very important. Yeah. And you're saying that we can say that I don't have a solution yet, and we cannot make a decision just yet. That's and have that's right. Not wanting to solve it. That's right. Sometimes the best thing we can do is say, I don't have, God hasn't led me to solve this yet. So my step is going to be, and I'll show you what that step is that here in is a second. Good. That's a, that's a good thing. I don't know. I just, Sometimes you're always wanting to solve problems. You always end up being a bad guy. <laughs> let me, let me just ask this. Those of you that are here today, how many of you have heard me say to you or to the people around you, I don't know. I say that all the time. I don't know. Why? Because I want you to remember I'm human. I'm not God. I, I don't always have the answers. I don't. Now, I'll try to find them if I think it's important, but I don't always know. And I think you're right. One of the things we do, Ed, is we don't know, so we just guess. And then when it doesn't work, like I said, we want to wash our hands of it. Men come to me all the time. Well, I told my wife to do that, and she didn't do it. What does that mean? Well, that's her problem. I'm not leading anymore. I'm just going to let my wife suffer. That, that's the stupidest thing I've heard. Yeah. I, I, I have not always handled my family correctly, it, but it's always been my responsibility. Thank you, John. It's, all, it's always been my responsibility, right? It's not my wife. It's not my kids. It's my responsibility. Um, so, yes, I don't always have a solution. Yeah, and it's the trying of our faith when fortified by patience, because we know that God is at work, that leads to spiritual maturity and to the preparation God has intended for us. Look at verse 4 with me. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. It takes the trying of our faith, it takes our patience to get to spiritual maturity. And the reason we don't reach spiritual maturity so often, the reason is we don't have patience. We want it now. Let me go down a little side trail here, a little rabbit trail here. Um, I, I come to, it's come to my attention recently uh, that there's people who are, who are discipling, they're discipling, that's the word they use, discipling the, 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 the members of their church through their cell phones. I think this is a terrible idea. And here's why. Your cell phone is designed to make things quick and easy, right? Uh, what's the weather? I pull up my cell phone, it's 45 degrees outside and it's raining. Well, I can look out the window, I can tell you it's 45 and rain, but uh, that's my cell phone. <laughs> I want to know who won the game, right? I go to whatever your website is, whatever your app is, and oh, I found out, you know, the Kings won. Or, that's what we do, just as quick as we can. Discipleship is never quick. Discipleship is never quick. It's a lifelong struggle. So if you teach people to go to their, their phone trying to be discipled, I think you're leading them down a path that they think this should be quick. There should be answers. This should be easy. And, and that's not discipleship. It's better to be in person because text messages, you can, you can take it yeah, the wrong way. The wrong way. Yeah. 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 And to, to yeah. actually be in person yeah. and, and, you know, Right. Right. The whole situation together. That's way better than because I can read a text to my son and be like, ah. Yeah. Life is ending. Well, that wasn't it at all, right? We say it jokingly in our family, but um, I, I 
tell people often that my wife and I were divorced three times before we got married. Mm. Because of emails, text. because yeah. of text, because of misunderstanding. Sure. Uh, you know, how I interpret somebody else's writing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So, I, yeah. so here's my point. Don't worry too much about the cell phones. Discipleship is hard. It takes a long time. If it takes your entire life. Um, leaders are patient. Let me, let me um, move on to the next point. So what do we do? We're looking at the problem. We know that God's trying our faith. We know it's going to take patience. But we do need the first step. We do need to know what does God want me to do? What does God want me to say? People are looking at me for answers. And I've already said, I don't know, but that's not going to last very long. They, they need to know that I do know something. Well, what are we going to do about this building? It's just sitting there. Do we have any plan for it? Here's what we're going to do. Look at verse 5 with me. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, I don't know what, it doesn't matter what translation you're reading that in. Here's the point. You don't know what to do? You need to ask God. You know what our problem is as men? We don't want to ask. We don't want to admit we need help. We're going to go figure it out, right? It's like the fellow, some of you are not like this, but I know many men who are like this. They've thrown away the directions. They can't get the bike together. And so their wife says, why don't you get out the directions? I don't need the directions to know how to put this bike together. That's how we treat life. I don't need God's help. I can figure this out. No, no. You're much better as a man of faith who's patient to say, God, what's the next step? What, what, just one step. Again, my algebra students staring at that problem, they just want the answer to pop into their minds, but the answer doesn't just pop into the, your, our minds. We want to look at life's problems and we want to say, okay, how can this be solved tomorrow? God isn't going to solve the problem by tomorrow. But there is a step for tomorrow. So God, what is step, tomorrow's step? And you take tomorrow's step and then you wait. And you say, okay, God, what's step number two? And you know, he says, okay, here's step number two. And you take that step and, and you're being patient. I had a fellow come to me one time and he told me that he had been married for 35 years. I'll take his word for it. He'd been married for 35 years, but at the time he came to me, he and his wife were, well, they were living separately. And he said, what, what do I do? I said, well, first thing I want you to know, I cannot solve in 35 minutes what you've taken 35 years to mess up. Because you know what he wanted? I, I've sensed... As a pastor, I sensed he comes to me. What he wants is some, you know, magic formula that he's going to sneak into his wife's drink and then they're going to get back together again. He wants to say some pretty words or send her flowers and she's going to, you know, come running back to him. I said, you've taken 35 years to mess this up. It's going to take years before we can fix this. Now, God can work faster than that. Don't misunderstand. But I didn't want him to have an unreasonable expectation. Well, he gave me about, literally, he gave me about 35 days, and then he just bailed on me. And he's still not back together with his wife, and it's been some time now. And he's not going to get back together with his wife as long as he expects some magic formula. When you go to God and you ask him for wisdom, he's not going to solve all of your life's problems by next week. In fact, what he's going to do is, even when he solves one problem, what does he do? He brings a new problem, because how do we grow? Problems. And God cares far more about our character than our comfort. Warren, you wanted to say I something. Was, you know, I was thinking about it, and you've said before, and you know, I think we've all experienced this in some way, that um, if we saw the eventual end, 
We saw mm-hmm. what we were now 20 years ago. We'll mm-hmm. be thinking the same pattern mm-hmm. that day. And, and I think that's important to remember that God is guiding that steps. It, right. His word is a lamp unto our feet. It's not, it's a light unto our path, but it is not an end all. It, we can't see. Right. We can't see what's over the next mountain. We can't right. see what's over the next hill. Because I think we would look at that as oh, as an obstacle un, uh, unbearable, mm-hmm. unable to be overcome. Mm-hmm. Our strength is weak, and I think uh, you know maybe in a more practical way, if you if you're doing weightlifting, right, you're not going to go in and go to hit the gym and squat five thousand pounds today. You need to kind of work up to that a little. Bit. You should, yeah, you should. <laughs> I had a friend. I went to visit him. He had a 50, 50 pound barbell on his floor. I said, "Do you?" Curl 50 Yeah, I can curl 50 pounds. I couldn't even lift 50 pounds off the floor. But he could. He had built his muscles up till he could handle it. And he's exactly right. A lot of us as Christians, we look at some other situation. We say, well, I, I'm just going to lift that 50-pound barbell. And if God doesn't help me, then God is, is not worthy. Wait, wait, wait. wait. God's going to work you over. He's going to get you there. <laughs> but it's going to take a while. you got to be patient. Uh, Peter. Yeah, just reminded I read somewhere, I prayed for opportunities and God gave me problems. Yes. 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 They used to tell me to be careful praying for patience. Yeah. <laughs> Marcos? Well, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the number four, it says, so let patience have a perfect work. Right. That you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Nothing. And that nothing stuck out to me right now when you're reading it, but the truth is, is that if I'm not resting him, mm-hmm. if I'm not really giving it to him, but I'm trying, and a lot of times me and Patty talk about it, a lot of times I'm trying to figure out how to do it myself. Yes. What do I do here? What do I do here? Yep. At the very end of that, I'm like, Lord, what do I do? Right. Where, where I should, and I, and I have, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't even care if I know what to do. What do you want, what do you want yeah. me What's to do? Yeah, what's step one? Yes. What do you want me to do? Yes. Right? And that could be getting counsel from you. Sure. Looking at the scriptures. Yep. Asking my wife, what, can you pray for me for this? Mm-hmm. And she might say, well, look at this verse. Yep. What is it, what is it? Because if I'm going to have uh, wait, wanting nothing, that means I'm trusting him in everything. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to be. But how do you get there? It's by spending time with them. Yes. Proverbs, per se. Yes. Right now, but it's really just spending time with them getting to know who he really is. Yes. And the lack of our, or our knowledge is a lack of our love towards him. Mm-hmm. They, they go together. They do. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that. Well, get to know him. But get to know him. God, yeah. As you seek him, and he's, I think it says in John that the Holy Spirit teaches you. He does, yeah. So keep on reading. Yes. Just keep on, everybody, just yep. keep on reading. Keep on reading, yep. Okay, just keep on reading. And when one sticks out to you, get it out. Mm-hmm. Break it down. Look at the words. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Warren, a lot of, there's an app that you can break it, a word, it'll, it'll break the words out for you. Wow. Fast, yep. In Strong's or yep. in we- like Webster. Sure. But it's just, it takes work. It takes work. It takes work. Yep. And we don't want that. Work and patience. No, we want easy. We want microwave Christianity. We put it in the microwave. Thirty seconds later, it's hot and we can eat it. Yeah. Microwave. Yes, Steve. Uh, I, I have found that uh, wisdom comes through uh, life experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know the things that God allows us to go through. Mm-hmm. You know the trying or the refining of our faith. You know. Those of us that have been in Christ for years, uh, someone new in Christ, hey, you know, I've got this problem. You know, I've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And here, here's what I did. Might, mm-hmm. you know, you know, pray first. But this is what I did. So, mm-hmm. you know, life experience is also wisdom. Mm-hmm. It is. 
Yeah. And life experience, I have a lot more respect for someone who's been married 30 years than three years, right? Because they know more about marriage. I have a lot more respect for a mechanic who's been doing it for 30 years than the guy who's been doing it for three years. The guy who's been doing it for three years, he can have a PhD in mechanics for all I care. But if he hasn't actually been fixing cars for 30 years, I want the guy with the experience. And he's right. Sometimes what we need to do is find a person who's been through it. You know, if you get a cancer diagnosis, there are some people in this church, they've been through that. I can tell, not me, but they've been through that diagnosis. You need to get together with them, pray with them, talk with them, hear what God did in their life. Um, there's a lot of wisdom there. Thank you, Steve. Sure. I think it's important for us on the other side of that to realize if I've been through something, then I have been through that. It might just be so that someone else could benefit. Mm-hmm. I may have known... Um, Christian and I have thought a lot, you know, about our finances and sort of, like you say, we, we moved every two years. Yeah. We've been married. You know, yeah. We got in the Air Force, so we didn't have to do that, and we did it anyway. Yeah, right. Um, that, I don't know why that we, thought you know, that was going to work. <laughs> but, but sometimes God allows us to go through, through things that we are strong, we, through him, are strong enough to bear. Right. Because someone else comes behind who yep. will need us to help them through it. Yeah. They themselves need to get to the point where they're strong enough to bear yep. the effects. I feel like he, he uh, when I w- went away from church last time, I was 22, 2017, 16, uh, I started leaning, like in Proverbs, I started leaning on my own understanding. understanding. Yep. So God was like, okay, this is what I can do for you. So I followed his word and prospered, was, fruit was bearing, I was yep. fruit and passing fruit out. <laughs> We're on fire and then I get away from him and, and, and he's always there. He is. If you just was like, okay, this is what your understanding gets you again, Armando. Yeah. This is what you, this is how you run your life. Yeah. You know how I run your life. So get away from me now, like you want to, mm. and run your whole life. And I buried myself in the ground. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard now to even speak it to myself, but just to get it out. It's like, I know this works. It works. Amen. It and does. You get away from it, my understanding. It doesn't work. It does not work at all. Yeah. Let's build on that. So don't don't forget, we've asked for wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and upbraideth not, doesn't reprove you, doesn't rebuke you, doesn't call you names, and it shall be given him. But look at verse 6 with me, 6, 7, and 8. And this will be the last point about leadership. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let me use this word for leadership. Leaders are decisive. They make a decision and they stick with it. Now, I'm going to pick on Mondito, but he brought it up. Mondito will tell you the last, what, eight years of his life have been wasted. Wasted. Because he was... He was following the Lord's understanding. He was seeking God's wisdom. He was being blessed by God. And then he said, you know what? I really want to try it my way. And it doesn't work. And you waste your time. You waste your life. Some of you young men, um, much younger than than I am, you have your whole life ahead of you. And you know what Satan says? Listen, just enjoy yourself for now. You can serve God later. Yeah, follow your heart. That's a lie of the devil. Invest your life in what matters when you're young. And you get to reap the dividends later. Invest your life in your selfishness and whatever pleases your flesh now. And guess what you get to reap later? Because you do reap what you sow. So 
We got little guys with us, Cutler. We've got teen guys with us. Don't, we don't have any teens, almost teens. We have young guys with us. Don't invest in what makes you happy. Don't follow your heart. It's worth serving God, even if it's hard, because you get to reap the benefits later. David, you had something. I just wanted to say something. Because um, we talk about wisdom and everything. Mm -hmm. But I think God is trying to prepare us to learn how to read people. Read people, okay. Because the problem is, with, especially with society today, fast-paced society, and technology and everything, we don't know how to read people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, wisdom, patience, everything comes with that when you learn how to. Because I, I dealt with a guy for 10 years, hmm. 11 years now. And it was just like recently the light bulb went on. This mm -hmm. guy, he's not really interested in learning about faith because I threw verses at him, mm -hmm. everything at him I could. I talked to him about it. I talk, but really, what he was trying to do is just everything I said, he's trying to find a way to. What I had to say, he'd find the, the fault in it, whatever, to justify what he's doing. Right. So then I let God take over and ask mm -hmm. that time and say, okay, Lord, you're going to have to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And if it comes back to me, I will get involved. Sure. But yet, um, he, that's what he wanted to do. And there are other people who um, need an instant repair or fix, and mm -hmm. things, like what you've dealt with. And I've even had people who are just, you need to listen to you got to learn how to read people. You need to learn how to. Yes. Dealing with kids a lot, especially, um, you you learn you learn these things that's okay. Sometimes they just need a, an arm around them. Or something. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's just what I feel that the Lord is speaking and saying, "Hey, look, I need you guys to learn how, as men, be leaders. Yep. Go forward as leaders. Yes, we're going to be problem solvers as we're supposed to be. Right. But at times we need to step back and we need to listen. Listen to people. And we need to read this person and find out because we're quick to fix things. Yes. Especially if you're really good at troubleshooting stuff. Yep. You're going to just come up with the answer, and they're going to be like, that's not what I need. Yeah. Right. With my daughter, I, I, now that I'm back in the Word, I can, uh, I don't need to analyze and fix every problem that she has. I that's right. I her ear. Yep. So if she calls me, she's like, Dad, this is going on. I don't yep. have to jump right to conclusion. What'd you do? Yep. What's going on? It's yep. Listen to Miha, and look, I love you. We're going to say a quick prayer. Amen. Even if she doesn't want to, sometimes she's like, yeah. only my friend's dad. <laughs> but it's just to get that across to her that, hey, I love you. And I think it's really important for daughter. I mean, the, the boys, too. The, but my girl, she's like, my son's like, yeah, whatever, dude. But he's still, my son's still trying to be, but my daughter, I feel like she needs that. Because I've made a lot of mistakes. And it's like what you said. It's like just to, just to listen to her and put my arm around her and be like, look, I love you, girl. Like, I like what David's saying because we are. We're in a hurry to fix problems mm -hmm. and we don't take time to actually understand the problem yeah. and what the people really need. And it's, ministry is about people. It's not your lawnmower. You know, your lawnmower needs a spark plug cleaned and you put it back in and it runs. People aren't that easy. I wish they were. They're not. So, yeah, take time for people. Act decisively. Decide what you're going to follow and follow it. And here's why you can act decisively. Number one, you've asked God for wisdom so you know what he wants you to do. You're not acting decisively. I'm just going to do something and it's going to have to work out. No, you know what God wants you to do. Second, you're going to act decisively because you know that God is with you all the time. 
I, I'm the type of person that is very hesitant to do anything because I'm afraid I'm going to do the wrong thing. And there's, re, there's good reason to be cautious. The, the Bible talks about the prudent man who sees the evil coming and he hides himself. So there's a place for that. But I have to remind myself that when God's given me clear direction on what step to take next, I need to take that step. Not worry about what's coming at me or around me or what people, if people are going to criticize. If I know God's calling me to take that step, that's what I need to do. You're decisive because you have God's wisdom. You're decisive because God's with you. And you're decisive because you know where God is, where God is leading you. And it comes back to, to, to being a leader in your family. I, I lost who supposed to be, I think, my wife because I stopped receiving God's leadership and I stopped being a leader. Mm. She was, as she, her faith was growing, she was a woman of God. Right. She was looking for me to lead. Right. And I was no longer leading. That's right. I, I was leading on my own understanding. Yeah. Uh, the women in our lives, whether they're our wives or our daughters, the sisters in Christ that we have here at Elmira Baptist Church, they, they, they do, they need us to be leaders. They need us to be problem solvers, but not the quick, okay, I've solved your problem, now quit talking to me about it type of problem solver. <laughs> the type of problem solver, as David mentioned, that takes time to hear people, that goes to God and says, I need wisdom, that's patient, that's full of faith, and just take step number one, and then step number two, and then step number three, until God brings us to that solution. And it does. It takes patience. Some, some of your problems are not going to go away on this side of eternity. It's not going to be until you step into glory that some of your problems are going to go away. Those are the problems. Yeah, Ed, you've got lots of those. <laughs> those are the problems that God puts in your life so that you learn that God's grace is sufficient. Here's Paul, right? He has a thorn in the flesh. Three times he asks God, can you take this away from me? And God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. We say, God, I really want to get rid of it. No, no, God says, I'm leaving it right. I've got problems. I've got problems that I've had for decades now, and I know they're not going anywhere. That's right. Because God wants to show his power. And here's our problem is, men, we want to show our power. You just reminded me I need to get with God right this second. You better do that. <laughs> That's my let, let's, let, let's stop there, uh, give you a chance to, to, to digest. Um, I uh, took time to memorize James chapter 1 when I was much younger. And just at that time I was memorizing, I went through some of the hardest problems, probably the two two out of the top five hardest problems I had in my life all at the same time. And then you know what I realized God was doing? He was teaching me through experience what his word taught me. So let me encourage you. God's going to bring us problems this year. Uh, I, I, you say, that's not encouragement. Yes, it is. Because it means that God loves us enough to continue to build us, continue to strengthen us. He's going to bring you personal problems. He's going to bring you family problems. He's going to bring the church problems. And I need you to step up and be leaders and say, hey, God's got this. We're going to be patient. We're going to be full of faith. And we're going to go ask God for wisdom. Ready to solve yeah, Steve. Uh, in, in talking with, with guys, I, I know mm -hmm. uh, the, the trying of our faith and, or, or the refining, mm -hmm. however you want to put it. Uh, I said, I've asked them, I said, are you experiencing problems? Oh, no, no. Um, then maybe you should ask for them. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it causes our faith to grow. It does. And it doesn't matter if we've been in the Lord for years. 
right? Six months? Yep. Or 35 years? Yep. If we don't have trials or refining, then we're not growing. Mm-hmm. We're not gaining wisdom. Mm-hmm. Just my opinion. No, you're right. That's what I the Bible teaches. Patience a lot. Because it reminds me of that old saying, um, that your will feels good now. It's the immediate mm. satisfaction. Yep. Yeah. God's will is the kind of one that feels good later and that lasts longer. God's will is not that quick fix, you know. It isn't a quick fix, so right? You have to be patient to yes. wait on God also. Yes. Yeah, I feel like my will gives me peace right yes. this second, but late at night, God's will gives you peace. Oh, but your will is a very short way. Yeah. Here's, here's the verse I had to close us with, and I set it aside, and then now, Ed, you brought it back up, so let's go to it. First Corinthians oh, chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. <laughs> you brought up that your will, my will, right. my selfishness offers me immediate pleasure, immediate satisfaction. 1 Corinthians 15. And I find that when I see God's will, yeah, in the moment it may seem difficult, but the pays off in the end. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. There you go. You got 2 Corinthians. Keep going back. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He's, he's worked so hard to get there. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 